Hello everyone and welcome to episode 14 of Added Time, a Games and Grab Studio podcast with me, your host Steve Watkins, and I'm back again. Three episodes in a week, you lucky, lucky people. We've had another round of Premier League fixtures and plenty to talk about off the back of those, so let's get straight into the results of those Premier League fixtures. Tuesday night, Brighton nil, Nottingham Forest nil. I don't think there's much more I can really say about this. It's not a game I watched, clearly. Brighton have now gone three games without scoring, and I think they've had around 50 shots and not scored. So, familiar issues at Brighton with with not being able to score. But Forest picking up another point there. Uh, But they do still find themselves in the bottom three. Crystal Palace 2, Wolves 1. Wolves went uh, a goal ahead, but Palace pulled it back and everyone was lauding the performance of Wilf Zaha, uh, which prompted a few people to say that he's the best player outside of the big six, uh, which obviously sparks debate amongst many. So later on, I'm going to do my best 11 of players outside of the traditional big six um, and see if you agree with me or not. You may, you may not, you might do. I've probably missed some players, but there we go. On to Wednesday, uh, Bournemouth nil Southampton once Southampton picking up a precious away win there. Uh, Liverpool won West Ham nil. West Ham had a penalty saved um, as well in that game. But Liverpool uh, backing up that Man City win with uh, another win at home. Virgil van Dijk has now gone 70 Premier League games at Anfield without losing, which is an unbelievable record. However, for the supposed best Premier League centre-back ever, why is he scuffing up the penalty spot? I know it's all gamesmanship and all of that sort of stuff, but it's poor. It is poor. Brentford nil, Chelsea nil. So the winning streak uh, does come to an end for Graham Potter, but he's still uh, undefeated as Chelsea manager. Uh, Kepper making some good saves in this. I did only watch the first half because I I flicked over to uh, the United game. Uh, But yeah, Thomas Frank, he has been linked with a now vacant job, which I'll, I'll talk about later on as well. I don't expect him to go, but I'll talk about that in a bit. So, Newcastle uh, picked up a 1-0 win against Everton. A wonderful goal from Almiron, who has turned into prime Iron Robin at the moment. Playing really, really well. Obviously, there's all that stuff about Jack Grealish and the stuff that he said whilst he was um, absolutely blattered at the end of season uh, celebrations when Man City won the league. Uh, and he's he's chipped in with five goals already compared to Jack Grealish's one, but let's uh, let's not get into that debate. But Newcastle uh, are climbing that table, now find themselves very much in that top six. Can they continue it? United two Tottenham nil. I did watch this game. Fantastic performance from Man United. They really forced. Spurs into into playing badly. They pressed so so well, and this we, we, I think we're now seeing what a ten hog team is all about. 
wonderful goal from Bruno Fernandes. Uh, I thought he was excellent on the night. Luke Shaw was brilliant as well. Casemiro, world class. Such a such a talented talented player, and his his experience and and his leadership and that winning mentality really did show through. The game, however, has been unfortunately it's been overshadowed by the actions of Cristiano Ronaldo. So uh, I'll cover it here because I don't really want to give the guy too much airtime. <laughs> to be honest, Ronaldo was named on the bench, which seems to be a a theme this season. Fair enough. With three or four minutes to go, you know, United were comfortably 2-0 up, winning the game. Had uh, put in a genuinely a great, great performance. Uh, but Ronaldo was seen walking off and walking down the tunnel before the end of the game. Now, initially, I... I tweeted and said, look, I, 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 the reason I think Ronaldo does this and the reason, like, in, in away games he doesn't hang around to applaud the fans he goes off is because we've all seen the videos on, you know, TikTok and Instagram and stuff where fans run on the pitch and try to get a selfie with him. It's the same with, with Messi and Neymar gets the same sort of treatment as well. And I did wonder whether it was that. But obviously it turns out that... He did walk off uh, without being told he could he could go back to the changing room. It was then later revealed that he actually left Old Trafford completely uh, before the final whistle had even blown. So he must have gone into that changing room, um, took his boots off, put his trainers on, got his bag and got straight into his car. Which is something that he did pre-season as well. Uh, which Ten Hag criticised him for then. And he Ten Hag has come out and criticised Ronaldo again now and, and said that he would deal with it. Uh, that was on the that was obviously on the Wednesday night, uh, the night of the game that he said I will I will deal with it. Uh, the following day, uh, Ronaldo was seen going into training with you know obviously to, to see Ten Hag. And then Thursday afternoon uh, a statement from Manchester United saying that Ronaldo was not going to be part of the squad for the game at the weekend against Chelsea. And it's since been uh, announced that he is pretty much been, he, he's been told he's got to train on his own for the next three games. Uh, I imagine he's been fined in some way, shape or form. Uh, and Ten Hag has also confirmed that Ronaldo refused to come on in that game against Spurs. Um, so much has been said about this situation. Uh, he really isn't endearing himself to, to to fans and seemingly to his own teammates as well. Uh, you know, I could I could go on in, in, into a, a huge huge debate about this, but it's been said. Uh, and I think United fans are, uh, are done with him. Uh, Ronaldo did release a statement last night via Instagram, but at no point in that statement did he actually apologise for his actions. And he said it was more of a heat of the moment situation, but he hasn't apologised. I don't think we see him in a United shirt again. Uh, we've got a few weeks until the World Cup, of which Ronaldo will be taking part. By the time we get back, it'll be Boxing Day. A week later, the transfer window opens. I think he will be gone in some way, 
shape or form, whether that's a loan move, whether that's a termination of contract, or whether someone is able to come in and, and buy him. But we saw in the summer that there was just no interest in him. From Well, not not realistic interest. We obviously had that, that uh, I believe it was a Saudi Arabian team that were offering him $2 million a week or something, which he, he turned down, which... Yeah, you know, I guess I guess Ronaldo is backing himself, isn't he? And he thinks that he can still do it at the very, very top level. So I do think that's the last we see of Ronaldo in a United shirt, and probably the last time we see him play in this country. Uh, I, I, I've said in I've said in previous episodes I could see Chelsea going in for him, but I do actually think that. I think I think these latest actions. Uh, I can't see anyone wanting to wanting to go for him. Uh, and just to stoke the fire a bit more, this is why Messi is miles clear of Ronaldo, not just in terms of ability, but temperament and all of that sort of stuff. But there you go. That's my opinion. Let's move on from him. Uh, but United, brilliant, uh, and uh, I. I I think United will get top four this year. On to Thursday, uh, Fulham 3, Aston Villa 0. And the result of this saw Steven Gerrard get the sack, which many suspected would be the case if they did lose to Fulham. Uh, the announcement came about an hour after the final whistle. Uh, the, the announcement was made so quickly that actually the news broke before... <laughs> But before the um, before the Villa team left Craven Cottage, so Gerard was on the team coach on the way home, having just been sacked, which I imagine was very very awkward and very strange. But this is something that's has uh, been coming. If you go back to the first episode, I mentioned that Gerard's you know under pressure right from the off. Uh, it's two wins in eight, and you know, the, the, like I mentioned last week, draws against Leeds when they were uh, had a man advantage, draws against Forest, who obviously haven't been fantastic this season. Uh, I'm I'm gutted that we didn't get, I say we, that Leicester didn't get a chance to play them when we did. Uh, we were due to play them the weekend that the fixtures were cancelled for um, uh, uh, following the Queen's death. Uh, I'm gutted. I'm gutted we didn't get to play them because I think that could have been our first win. But hey, it is what it is, and uh, a new man is um, is going to come in. And uh, you know, last night the early favourites were uh, Pochettino. Uh, um, Thomas Tuchel has ruled himself out of the job already, and I think Poch has as well today. Um, Thomas Frank is someone that is admired by Aston Villa, but it looks like the well, the current favorite favorite is the Sporting Lisbon manager Ruben Amarim. Now, I, I have heard of this guy before because he was briefly linked with the Leicester job when it looked like Rogers was going to get the sack. So I had a quick look uh, uh, at at him and you know what he was about. He's the same age as me. Unbelievable. Same age as me, and I mean, he's managing 
one of the biggest clubs in Portugal, okay, and potentially on the verge of coming to the Premier League to to manage Aston Villa, potentially. Uh, Unai Emery is in the frame as well, as is Sean Dyche. So yeah, Villa looking for a new manager. I don't know what this means for, for Gerrard now. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I I thought the same about Lampard when Lampard lost his uh, lost the job lost his job at uh, Chelsea, but he's found himself another Premier League team, uh, and they do seem to to like uh, Frank Lampard up there up in Everton. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, <laughs> they do seem to like Frank Lampard at Everton. There we go. That's better. Up in Everton. Jesus Christ. Words, words, words. Let me take a drink. I've noticed that I don't drink during this podcast and by the end of it I sound a lot like this delicious Dr Pepper and then the final game of these fixtures Leicester City 2 Leeds United nil. not a classic I mentioned it on my Instagram last night whilst I was uh, stuck in traffic uh, I wasn't to be fair, I was still in the car park, so I wasn't, you know, on the road doing Instagram videos for anyone picks me up for that. Uh, I said that the game wasn't a classic. I thought Leicester were were poor in possession at times, and you know we still look a little bit like off it. Uh, the, there's a there's a lack of movement. The the formation is too rigid. When when the two centre backs have got the ball, the players are just standing where what. They look like the team sheet when it comes out and they just look like they're standing in the positions. There's no movement. There's no trying to lose the player or anything like that. But, you know, there's there's no midfielder making a run to, to make space or anything like that. It's very, very rigid. But what did happen last night, and I called for it in uh, last week or the last uh, episode, was to play somebody on the right wing. And Dennis Pratt filled that spot with James Madison being injured. He did a fantastic job. He has not played a lot of football uh, this season. So, you know, he didn't last the full 90 minutes. Uh, he was he was unlucky, you know, near, near the end of his time on the pitch. Uh, I think his legs were about to go. He had a great chance to score. And, and I think earlier on in the game, he would have put that away. But yet, yeah, goals from... Uh, Harvey Barnes, who continues his great run against Leeds. That's six in six uh, for Harvey Barnes against Leeds. One of those games was whilst he was on loan at West Brom in the Championship. But that's uh, five in a row in the Prem. Uh, so, yeah. And Harvey Barnes could have probably... It probably would have scored the first goal, but it was uh, an own goal by Robin Cock. That's Robin cock. Uh, the Leeds fans were not happy at the end of the game. They weren't happy during the game as well. They weren't happy with the substitutions. There was chance of um, what the F is going on. Uh, and at the end of the game, the players went over to the Leeds fans, or the you know the Leeds players went over to the Leeds fans, and there was chance of what the F in L was that. Um, now, my initial reaction to that was, well, that's a bit strange. I mean, come on, Leeds, you, you, Leeds fans, you've got to Surely you've got to realise that you are one of those teams that are going to be in that 14th downwards sort of thing. Um, 
But I, I got the opinion of uh, my good mate Sam, who is uh, a Leeds fan. And I think it just simply puts it down to that Marsh is picking the wrong players. It really surprised me when I saw that Harrison and Rodrigo were on the bench. Uh, Bamford did start, but... Um, I mean, that Aronson, he looked busy, but for me, he was... Well, I thought he was a... I'll be honest, I thought he was a diving little shit, to be honest. Um, but that might have just been the, the, you know, the passion of the game. Getting the better of me. But defensively, Leeds were all over the place and, and Leicester really took advantage of that. Dennis Pratt at the heart of both goals. The second goal was lovely. Uh, it was... It was the Leicester that I've come to to know and love over the last few years. Um, you know, ball down, ball down the side. One touch into Vardy, back heel into Dewsbury Hall. First time pass over to Barnes. First time finish goal. Lovely, really good. I said it after we beat Forest. We now need to back that up with another positive result. We've got Wolves at the weekend, which I'll obviously cover off later on. Uh, needs to be needs to be at least a draw. So I need to build on this. The positives I can take, although I didn't think we were we weren't particularly great last night. We took advantage of a, a poor Leeds team. Uh, that's three clean sheets in a row at home, and seven from a possible nine at home as well, and seven from a possible twelve. If you look at the last four games, so there are. Signs of improvement. We're still in the bottom three. But, I th- you know, we're getting there. Um, like I say, Wolves <laughs> Wolves up next, who who have not, you know, announced a manager, uh, which I'll... I, I didn't mention earlier on, actually. So, uh, yeah, Wolves have decided uh, not to uh, appoint a manager. They were given permission to talk to QPR manager Michael Beale earlier on in the week, who is doing a great job at QPR. They're currently top of the league. He was Gerard's right-hand man, and many people believe that Michael Beale leaving uh, is where you saw the sort of drop-off with Villa's performances. So he was given permission to speak to Wolves, and everyone assumed that he was going to go because it was, why would you, why would you not go to a Premier League team? You know, uh, even if QPR are top, and he turned them down, and I'm glad he did, because if he is as good as people say he is, and and whatnot, then that Prem job will come along for him at some point. Could he be tempted by the Villa job, given that he was there very very recently? I'm not sure myself. On that, it looks like the the Portuguese uh, guy that the the sporting manager seems to be the favourite right now. Uh, so Wolves have decided that they are going to stick with uh, their caretaker manager and they are going to look for a new manager after the World Cup and appoint someone in the new year. So at least everyone knows where they stand there. Whereas like with Bournemouth, they're still sticking with Gary O'Neill. He's still caretaker boss. And there doesn't seem to be any sort of uh, movement on that one as to, as to who will be. The next Bournemouth manager, it's uh, you'd have thought something had been announced. I mean, obviously the the sacking of Parker was something that came out of the blue. They obviously had no backup there. They just wanted him gone uh, because of things that I did, you know, I mentioned at the time. 
I mean, Gary O'Neill is the huge, huge favourite to take the job, uh, and he's done. He's done well. He's done really well. I think the the defeat the other night was the first first time they've lost since that nine nil drubbing from Liverpool. So they've been on a good run. They've uh, they've they've done uh, they've done all right. Have uh, of Bournemouth. So. I'll do a quick rundown of the table and then I'll go through this uh, this best 11 that I've come up with. Arsenal top, 27 points, followed by Man City. Spurs still in the top three, uh, but they I thought they were just so poor the other night. But United were very, very good. Chelsea are in fourth and United are a point behind them. Obviously, they play each other this weekend. And then Newcastle are in sixth. Liverpool climb up to seventh. Uh... And then we're looking at Brighton, Fulham, Brentford, Palace, Bournemouth, West Ham, Southampton, Everton. And then this is where it gets a little bit tight. So you've got Everton in 15th on 10 points, Leeds on 9 points, 16th, um, Villa 17th on goal difference, 9 points, Wolves 18th, 9 points, Leicester on 8 and Forest on 6. So there could be a lot of change Come the end of the weekend, given uh, who's playing who. Yeah, fingers crossed. Well, from my point of view, anyway, uh, we could we Leicester could let out fly. Leicester could find them. Leicester could find themselves fifteenth. I mean, this is this is nosebleed territory. Nosebleed territory. Got to win the bloody game first. Right then. So as I mentioned, uh, there was there was. Debate on uh, on Talksport about Zaha being the best player or one of the best players outside the Big Six. So, as you know, or those of you that don't know, the traditional Big Six is United, Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Tottenham. So, I got it got me thinking about you know who is the best player outside of those of those teams and then it got me thinking about what's the best 11 and then I thought Christ I've bit enough more than I can chew here um, but actually I, I think it I, I asked uh, I asked a mate at work to give me his best 11 and he he rattled it off in about three minutes Um and it was really close to mine, which I'd and I'd given it a bit longer than three minutes thought. Um, so right, I'm going to go through it and you know just see if you agree or not. Uh, so I've gone with Sanchez from Brighton as the goalkeeper. There's obviously a case for Pickford, and there's a case for Raya, the Brentford goalkeeper. I've gone for Kieran Trippier at right back. I think that's an absolute cert. Um, centre backs I've gone with Connor Cody uh, I think he's been excellent since he's gone to to Everton uh, if I was to do this a couple of years ago I'd have said Johnny Evans but not now uh, my other centre back now I did toy with going with Tarkowski because uh, I think he's him and Cody have done uh, have done brilliant uh, but I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Dan Byrne. Now, 
a lot of people with Dan Byrne, they just see a, a six foot seven, you know, but you know, tall player. But he's really good. He's really, really good. I, I really rate him. Um, I mean, other other sort of names out there. There's obviously Marcus Gay from from Crystal Palace. Uh, Conser, I think he's a great centre back at Villa. And I've mentioned Tarkowski as well. Um, and then on on the left, I'm going to go with uh, Tyrick Mitchell as my as my left back on that one. So my three in midfield, I think, I'd like to think that most people would have the same as me on this. So Declan Rice, Bruno Gomerez and James Madison in the number 10. I think I th- I don't think you get much better than that outside of outside of the big six. Now, Wolves fans will probably say, "What about Neves?" And I did consider Neves, uh, and I'm a huge, huge fan of James Ward-Prowse. But I mean, Gomez genuinely looks he he looks fantastic. Um. Newcastle, regardless of what Newcastle do in the coming years, they may have a job to keep hold of him. We all know how good Declan Rice is, and I imagine that he will uh, be at a different club next summer. Uh, Probably one in London that begins with C. Chelsea. If you didn't know. So yeah, and, and and James Madison. Look, you know, uh, um, like I say, that I asked someone else what their team was. They had Madison as well. Uh, I think his form since uh, not quite the beginning of last season, but around October last year. Um, he, he, yeah, I mean, everyone's clambering for clambering for him to be in that England squad. I don't think he's got a chance now. What with what he did last week with the dive, uh, I think actually someone like. It won't happen, but I think someone like Harvey Barnes has got more of a chance of getting in over Madison. If you if you were to say one of them's going to get in, I would say it's Barnes. Neither are getting in, though, let's face it. Um, so, yeah, so my midfield three, Gamerez, Madison and Rice. And then on the left, Zaha, you know, he's the player that sparked this debate. Uh, I don't like the way that Zaha is on the pitch. Um, he... He takes, he takes it far too personally when he's kicked, and what I don't, what I don't understand is when, if you're being kicked like that, it means that the opposition are scared of you. Even in today's game where you've got VAR, um, and I swear, up until a couple of, a couple of seasons ago, you know, any contact you were in the book. If you're being kicked like that, take it as a compliment. You know, Hazard had the shit kicked out of him for however long he was in the Premier League. And yeah, you know, he was a little bit theatrical at times and he rolled around. But with Zaha, he, he, it's like he just wants to have a scrap every time. Like, honestly, I think the guy could have an argument with himself in a phone box about the colour of the sky. That's the only thing I don't like about him. And then last season... Uh, when Leicester played Palace at home, he 
took a penalty. It was saved, but it was then retaken because Michael came off his line. The penalty was then saved again, but he scored the rebound. And at that point, I think it was 3-1. And he was celebrating and like he just scored the 96th minute winner. Very strange behaviour. Um, but a really good player. Um, now, on the right, I have gone with Jared Bowen. He's not had the best of starts, but then West Ham haven't had the best of starts. Uh, he was sensational last season. I still think there is a there's a hell of a player in there. And then up front, it's got to be Ivan Tony, easily Ivan Tony. Uh, there's there's a case for Mitrovic. A couple of years ago, there's only one man I would have said, uh, but uh, he's. He's getting older now and he's not scored this season yet, but uh, Jamie Vardy will always be my goat for Leicester anyway. So yeah, so that's my that's my, uh, that's my my best 11 of players that don't play for the big six. So I'll run through that again. Sanchez, Trippier, Mitchell, Cody, Byrne, Rice, Gomez, Madison, Zaha, Tony, Bowen. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you who you would have in there. Anyone different? Like I say, there's some there's some great players that I've missed out there. You know, um, thinking about who plays on that left side. You know, Anthony Gordon is is a, is a, good, a very good player. Uh, you've got the the Wolves keeper Saar as well. You know, he could be in the mix. Um, so yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a tough one. I, I look at that team uh, and it's got a. It's got a world-class midfield, in my opinion. It's got talented players on the wings. It's got a a natural goal scorer up front, someone that can take penalties. At the back, not too bad. I think that team finishes um, eighth <laughs> outside the top six, obviously. Um, so yeah, so there we go. Uh, that's 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 that. Bit of fun for this week. Um, like I say, these games have been coming thick and fast. I don't just want to sit here and go, oh, these were the results and this is what's coming up. I've got to have a bit of, bit of debate in between as well. Um, just one real quick one that's that's kind of come up today. Um, so obviously, as previously mentioned, Gerard's lost his job at Villa. Now the early the the early indications were that Poch was the favourite, and the age old thing came out of well, Villa are a big team, you know they could get Poch, and there's been a bit of like mockery and different things like that, and you know I've seen people say that uh, Newcastle are a bigger team than than. Um, than Villa and Everton are a bigger team and you've got some people saying Leeds are a bigger team. Now those four teams that I've mentioned there have won next to nothing in the last 20 to 30 years. So that's got me thinking that actually maybe there needs to be almost like a bit of a change of narrative or a change of of the way that we, we talk about these clubs in that Maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago, 
they were big clubs, but they've not really they've not really won anything. Um, so maybe you refer to them as famous clubs. I don't know. It's just something that it, it popped into my head earlier on, and I think it was because I I saw that tonight. In fact, I think it's happening right now. Uh, Ipswich are playing Derby in League One. It's effectively Division Three. For those of you that remember the good old days of divisions one to four, I say good old days. Let's face it, football's got better since. I don't care what anyone says. Football has got better since. You know, nostalgia is one thing, but there we go. Right, um, I'm going right off on a tangent, and I look at them and I think, Jesus, like that was a that was a Premier League fixture, Derby versus Ipswich, and you know, Derby, you know, have won have won league titles back in the day. Ipswich won the European Cup under under Bobby Robson. But are they a big club just because they get 30-odd thousand? They're not. They're in the third division. They're in League One. Your definition of a big club, it depends who you are. Some people say to me, well, it's, it's about fan base. Okay, well, Newcastle are a massive club then. Sunderland are a massive club. Some people will say it's about trophies. So if that's the case... You know, you've probably only got two or three massive clubs. Everyone else is just following up. But I do think you do you do have famous clubs, traditional clubs, Villa, Leeds, Forest, Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Newcastle, Everton. You know, I've I've, I've already mentioned them. You know, um, these are well known football clubs. Uh, I'm not I'm not chucking my own team in there just because we've had a bit of success over the last few years. You know, prior to prior to the the uh, the winning the league in 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 fifteen sixteen, not many people outside of uh, outside of uh, the UK had even heard of Leicester. A bit more well known now, but I wouldn't say we're a big club necessarily we are probably earing into that famous club because we're now famous for winning the Premier League etc etc 5,000 to 1 so look, I, I don't know like this the whole debate around what's a big club what's a little club you know whatever the reality is Villa aren't getting potch they're not getting too chill there's more chance of me being on the cover of men's health right of them getting either one of those two managers. So there we go. I've just ended the debate. Right there and then. It's over. It's done. It's finished. Stop the vote. Ah, right. Let's have a look at this weekend's fixtures. There we go then. 14 games, dates to be confirmed. That's not good. Leicester Villa being one of them. Okay. Lunchtime Saturday. Forest versus Liverpool. I can only see a Liverpool win there. 
Everton versus Palace. Ooh, tough game. I think that will be a Palace... No, I'm going to go for a draw on that one. I think Palace are one of those that they're they're difficult at home. A bit shit house away. Time wasted and all of that. Man City, Brighton. Man City win, clearly. Uh, Chelsea United. Woo! Um... Draw. Score draw. Sunday, we have Villa versus Brentford. So, currently managerless Villa against Brentford. I'm going to go for... Is there going to be a manager or is there going to be a reaction from Gerard being sacked? No, I don't think so. I'm going to go for a Brentford win. Leeds-Fulham. A big, big game for, for the Leeds manager, Jesse Marsh, I believe. Uh, Fulham could be Fulham could be the team that just you lose to Fulham you lose your job um, I think there'll be a reaction from Leeds uh, and I think Leeds will win uh, by a goal and then we have Southampton Arsenal I can only see an Arsenal win really again absolutely flying Qualified out of their Europa League group the other night as well with a win against PSV. So a good result for them. And they're doing really, really well. Uh, Wolves, Leicester. I'm going to go for a Leicester win. I'm deluded. But I'm going to go for a Leicester win. Spurs, Newcastle. Oh, interesting. Interesting games. Like I say, Spurs are third, but... I think they've they flattered to deceive massively. They, they they really weren't very good the other night, and I've I've watched them a couple of times this season, not being impressed. Even even when they put six past Leicester, I thought they were very very average. It was just that Son came on and uh, and destroyed us. So I'm gonna go for a narrow Spurs win though. And then West Ham, Bournemouth. I think West Ham will pick up the points here. Home advantage. We'll, we'll see them over the line on that one. So that's it for episode 14. Um, thank you if you've stuck with me uh, these last three episodes. I know they've come thick and fast. Uh, I've spoke a lot of nonsense. Uh, said a lot of stuff. Um, I didn't really, you know... Um, I, yeah, I didn't really have anything planned going into this one, but other than the the big six uh, team outside the big six stuff. But yeah, it's it's fun all the same. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, a bit of a bit of a rest next week because then we've got a full week before we've got fixtures again. So before I finish, obviously remember this is a Games and Grab Studio podcast, and as part of the Games and Grab Studio, we have Finsteel over on Twitch. Doing his streams, uh, twitch.tv forward slash the Finn Steel. Uh, the Clubhouse is back this week in video form. If you head over to YouTube, search for Sonny G's Clubhouse, he has uploaded a video of him playing a game called Forever Cornhole. I repeat, that's called Forever Cornhole. It's a VR game. <laughs> um, uh, so check that out. Uh, it's a really good, really good video, a uh, really good return to to video form for uh, for Sunny, and expect more content 
uh, like that from him. And that's it. Obviously, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe this podcast. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and on Twitter. Give me a thumbs up. Leave a review on the podcast. It would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Let your friends know. Tell them all about it, and hopefully they'll swing by and listen and stick with it like you guys have. This has been episode 14 of Added Time. I've been Steve. Thank you very much, and I'll speak to you next time.